love when God works everything out in a service perfectly. Uh, they had no idea what I'd be preaching on this morning, but I'm actually speaking on authority and the authority that God gives us and the ability that we can say, God, you are my healer, and actually have that happen because of his name and because of what he's given us. So it works out so well. God is so good. So uh, I'm just going to turn straight to the word. Uh, and I'm going to be turning to James chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. I do have a decent amount of scriptures, but I also have, you know, some funny stories I'm going to share with you as well. Um, you get to know me a little bit, some of my fears a little bit, because I'm going to be very transparent this morning fun in a funny way. All right. So James 3, verses 3 to 5. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So I read a bunch of commentaries about th these verses in particular, and there was one that I really liked, um, and so it states, a small bit in the mouth controls a strong horse. A small rudder turns a large ship. Even so, if we have control over our tongue, it is an indication that we have control over ourself. Because, just like the scripture says, whoever can control the tongue can control the whole body. So let's, you might be sitting there going, I have no idea what a bit is, and I have no idea what a rudder is. Let me explain them to you. Uh, so by definition, a bit is a piece of metal or material that fits in a horse's mouth. And when I read up on it, it fits in, a, in the mouth of a horse in a particular location, like between specific teeth. But I wasn't going to get all that technical with you. <laughs> uh, and it aids in the communication between the horse and the rider. It's part of the bridle, and it allows the rider to connect with the horse by the reins. So like I said, it sits in the horse's mouth, it's connected to the bridle, which is then con connected to the reins, and so the rider can pull the rein and tell the horse which direction to go, or even to slow down or to speed up, all by the reins being connected to that little bit. That little bit. I went horseback riding once. We'll never do it again, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, it was a few years ago, and uh, if you guys know Monia, in any capacity, you know she's obsessed with horses. So for her, I think it was her 25th birthday, um, myself, Diana, and Rosie said, let's take her horseback riding. And I thought that was a good idea until I got there with my $50 in hand and looked at the horse um, and realized I don't want to get on this animal. <laughs> I understand I can control it, but let's be real, I'm not going to do very well. Um, plus, the night before, I had a dream <laughs> that the horse was going so fast, and I flipped forward, and that also did not go well. So um, I got there, and the guy who owned the place looked at me and said, you'll be fine. It's going to be great. I'll teach you everything. You know, we'll go around a circle in a little bit. You'll, you'll be fine. I was like, no, like, I'm really scared you don't even have helmets to give us. <laughs> like, I'm really scared. He goes, no, we only give helmets to the kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? Here, I'll take you to this horse. And he brought me to the smallest horse, which was still quite large. 
And he said, this is the one we put the kids on when they're first starting. This is the one we'll give you. So, okay, so of course, Monia and Rosie and Diana mocked me for the rest of the day for that. Um, needless to say, it still did not go very well. I went on and we followed the guy around and, but at one point, the guy on the, hor on the horse just went super fast down a hill in the middle of the woods and my horse just followed. And I was going like this. <laughs> and I thought, my dream is coming true. <laughs> Sorry, my nightmare is coming true. <laughs> Um, so never again. But I, kn I now know firsthand how the bit can control a large animal because when I went like this, he did turn. However, when, when I went like this, he did not slow down. Um, so let's go to the rudder now, <laughs> uh, which I'll tell a story about a rudder as well in a minute. So a rudder is a primary control surface used to steer a ship, a boat, a submarine, a hovercraft, an aircraft, or other conveyance that moves through a fluid medium generally air or water. Now, a rudder in a ship, it works differently than a rudder in an airplane, so we're talking specifically about one in a ship or a boat. When the rudder is turned, so like this is the rudder, if it turns this way, it's now exposed to the force of the water flowing past it, so that the force of the water turns the, s the stern of the boat, which is the back of the boat, to go this way, so the whole ship turns this way. So basically, you turn the rudder in the opposite direction that you want the boat to go in. Again, I have experience with this. I was in Sea Cadets growing up. You go sailing on tiny, well, I thought they were tiny boats, um, but, I mean, they're big enough, but they're small in the sense that I knew that I was going to tip over and any amount of wind was going to send the boat capsizing. But, um, and that did happen. So uh, w we had, <laughs> yes. Uh, so we had this little stick that we would sit in the back and control, and as we turned it, it would turn the rudder. So if I wanted the boat to go to my left, I would turn the rudder to my right, and vice versa. You had to be very careful, because if you turned it too much, the boat would capsize, meaning it would turn over. And that did happen multiple times. And then we had to try to climb back into the boat and bring it back up, and needless to say, I only did that three times. Never again. Big boats for me, thank you very much. Um, but again, I know how a small little piece of equipment on a decently large you know, mode of transportation um, can affect the direction. So it's not a coincidence that God mentioned them, that God mentions the bit and the rudder because they control large vehicles or large animals. Well, our tongue is compared to that. Even so, something that is so small can be so powerful. The Bible compares these two things, like I said, to our tongue. Our tongue may be a very small part of the body, but it can be very powerful, and it is very important. So going back to what we read, specifically verse 5, it's, it's stated, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So just like a small spark can set an entire forest on fire, our, wor our words can do big things, whether good or bad. I'm sure you've all seen words do bad things to people. The Bible says to not gossip or to talk bad about people. That's one of them, right? Um, so recently, by recent I mean I think it was in the fall, there was an out-of-controlled wildfire in California. Anyone remember that? 
Anyone know how it started? Fireworks that were set off by a gender reveal. A gender reveal fireworks, okay? Um, so a huge forest fire that spread and went so long it destroyed over 7,000 acres. A small spark from a firework started that. If a spark from a firework can start that huge of a fire, imagine how powerful our words can be. Because remember, if we have control over our tongue, it is an indication that we have control over ourself. Whoever can control the tongue can control the whole body. Proverbs 18 and 21 states that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's how powerful it is. Your words have the power to bring life to a situation or to bring death to a situation. So this can be both good, but it's also a warning. It's a warning for us to be extremely careful what we store in our hearts because God compares that. The heart is the core of our human being and it is the true measure of who we are. Proverbs 4 and 23 talks about this. It, talks, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. So what's in your heart is going to come out in your words. If you store bad fruit or sin in your heart, then you will always produce sin. Your words, that's what will come out of it. If you store good fruit, goodness in your heart, then, what it, then that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Matthew 12 and 34 talks about this as well. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God talks about this over and over and over again. This shines a light on the importance of the condition of our hearts. And it's important to understand that before I talk to you about how your words have authority. We must be careful what we allow into our lives because it's going to take root. We have the authority in our speech. God has given us authority to speak into situations when we apply his name, just like we sang this morning. These situations can change. However, if what is in your heart is unbelief and sin, then that authority can't make its way out. We need to make sure that we take care of our hearts in order to apply that authority that we have. Psalms 19 and 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That needs to be our prayer daily, daily. If we want to walk and speak in the authority that God has given us, then we need to pray that our hearts are right with God. We need to pray that we are producing good fruit producing good things. So let's go back to speaking about authority, now that we understand how we can have good authority. The scriptures that we've read so far have told us that our words have the power to set a forest on fire. Not literally, don't go out trying to set any forest on fire, okay? <laughs> we've also read that the power of death and life are found in the tongue. That's our speech. The words that we say. God has given us the authority to speak, to act, to live in and live out his power and his will. So why do we often walk around timid? Why are we so afraid 
to speak up and to speak out? Why are we scared to declare the things that we want God to do in our lives? One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Ezekiel. It's about the dry bones. And I'm going to read it in case you've never heard it. So Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 10. I'm going to read the whole thing because you can't just take bits and pieces of the story. It's just so good. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. I love the story. Just the imagery that it, like I can picture everything. I can picture the tendons and the bones coming together and that I can picture the wind coming. It's so powerful and it's such a powerful image of what God can do with a willing person. Ezekiel was willing to be used by God and that is one of the keys. Ezekiel was just walking in the valley and he saw the dry bones. And when he saw them, I'm pretty sure he didn't think, they're going to come to life today. Yep, I, I just know it. Yep, he, I, I doubt he was thinking that. He was probably walking around thinking, I wonder what happened here. There was probably, you know, this must have been an army. There must have been a battle. Not that they were going to live that day, because that would be silly, right? Who walks around in a cemetery thinking, they're going to come to life? Just know it. Those bones... And it wasn't even just corpses. It, the bones were scattered, it says. So someone's head was here, but their part, a part of their bone arm, I don't know the specific names of it. Someone could tell me, I'm sure, was over here. I'm sure, I'm sure Naomi could tell me. Um, <laughs> but so th it was scattered everywhere. The Bible stated that they were not just dead. They weren't just bones. They were dry bones. This tells us that they were there for quite a while. There was no life in them at all. If there was, I'm sure if there was someone who just died, we would think, you know, I'm sure we can resuscitate them. Someone get CPR, someone get a defibrillator. Like, we, we can bring them back. They, but with that said, this was not the case. They've been dead for quite a while. They were dry. The Bible makes it very clear. They were dry, detached, and scattered. There was no way they were going to live again without divine intervention. Something else to point is that when God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live, Ezekiel replied, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
he knew. He knew that he had no hope in the bones. He knew that they were very dead and could not live again, but he did have hope in God. He was confident that God did know and that God could do it. Because Ezekiel clearly had faith in God, God gave him something to do. God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy, to speak to the dry bones. Again, that shows us that there's power in what we say. This would obviously seem very foolish to many, speaking to, to bones that clearly had no life in them. But because Ezekiel had hope and believed in God, he did just what God had told him to do. Sometimes we are living in what feels like a valley of dry bones, in, what, in, in situations that seem dead, that there's no way of getting out or resuscitating these situations. We have dreams and promises that have been left unanswered and unfulfilled. They seem dead and dry. I know I have a few, so I'm also speaking to myself here. Sometimes speaking them again, declaring them again, you know, maybe it's been five, ten years you've been declaring the same things over and over again. And sometimes bringing them up to the surface again is hurtful and it can seem a little foolish because it's been so long. Clearly, if God was going to do something, he would have done it by now. But God's timing is not our timing. If we truly trust God with our hopes, our dreams, our promises, then we will declare them. It doesn't matter how much time has passed. Those bones had been there for a long time. God could have gotten someone else five years before to declare them, but he had the perfect person at the perfect time. So if we truly believe, like I said, then we will speak them. We will speak to these dead, dry situations, even though we might feel foolish doing so. We need to speak to our situations just like Ezekiel spoke to the dry bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dead situations, hear what God can do. This is what he can do. This is what his word says. Ezekiel trusted God's word. He trusted and had faith that God would do exactly what he said, that he would cause those dry bones to live. If you have a situation in your life that seems hopeless, dry, lifeless, or forgotten, like these dry bones were, speak God's word into them, and they will live again. We have that same power and authority that God gave Ezekiel in us. We have the authority to speak into what seems to be impossible situations. That decision, that lost loved one, the financial problems, they might seem impossible. But we can choose to focus on the fact that they seem impossible, that they've been unanswered for so long, it might be foolish, or we could choose to focus on the fact that God is bigger than our impossible situations and that God has given us the authority. God is our hope in the impossible. Luke 1 and 37 says it, for nothing will be impossible with God. The Bible states it, it declares it. And then Matthew 19 and, tw uh, and 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. You can't do it. It's impossible with us, but with God, all things are possible. It says it not just once, not just twice. And it doesn't say some things are impossible 
some things might be possible with God. Most things. It says nothing is impossible with God. So it doesn't matter how difficult your situation seems. Nothing is impossible with God. Believe it and declare it. Hebrews 4, verses 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And it's talking about God here. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God understands where you're coming from. Jesus came to earth. He was tempted just like you. He went through the emotions that you felt. He understands where you're coming from. And because of that, we can come to his throne in prayer with confidence. Confidence in who he is and what we know he can do. He wants us to declare things, to speak to what we are going through, and to speak what we need and desire. Another translation of that same verse talks about coming to the throne with boldness. And when it talks about boldness in the Bible, it's the attitude of strong confidence in God, such that godly things are said and done openly without fear of the consequence, meaning you can speak foolish things without worrying that you're going to appear foolish. Speaking things that might seem impossible without fear that God can't do them because nothing is impossible with God. We trust the one that we are declaring these things to. So again, going back to our story about Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34 verses 4 to 7, I just want to narrow in on those. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God was telling Ezekiel to say these things, to speak with boldness and confidence. Not, you know, God could do it, so, you know, could you please? No, no, declare it with confidence. Don't speak timidly. God told Ezekiel to speak those words specifically. And Ezekiel said it in the story. He did just what God told him to do. He spoke with confidence. And we can do the same thing because we have that same power and authority. We need to do the same thing. We need to go to God with our situations without fear that he won't work in them or that he won't hear us. We need to declare with confidence and boldness what God can and will do, because he will hear you. Every time you call on his name, he hears you. Every time you take the time to speak to him, it doesn't matter if it's knelt down at the altar or if it's in your car driving to work, God hears you. He knows what you're going through. And so speak with boldness every time, declare. It might not be easy at first. Maybe you don't quite know God yet. You're just starting out. Or maybe you've been at this for a while, but you still haven't gotten in the groove of, you know, speaking with boldness yet. You may, maybe you got hurt by people in the past, and so trusting God is a little difficult. I understand that. I really do. But know that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It says it in the Bible. It's a promise that God has made. And so also know that 
you just have to start somewhere. Something simple. God, you are my healer. Declare it. God, you are my peace. God, I might be going through a very difficult situation right now, but you can do it. You can do exactly what needs to be done. Starting simple, God, you are my joy and my comfort. And then the more that you do this, the easier it will be because you'll know him more and you'll learn to trust him more and you'll see the things that he has done in your life and that gives you more confidence. It all, but, you ha- but you have to start somewhere. I am coming to a close. I've still got a little bit, but I'll get Laura to come back to the music. So like I said, we all have situations that seem absolutely impossible, that seem impossible. And you might be sitting there thinking, you don't, maybe. Maybe you're like, life is great right now. I don't know what you're talking about. One word, COVID. (laughs) COVID seems like it's never going away, (laughs) okay? Church is not the same anymore. I miss coming to the altar, and I miss praying with people and for people and having you guys pray for me. I, I miss that. And this seems like an impossible situation. So we all have impossible situations, or that seem impossible. But again, we can choose to focus on these things and continue to declare them as impossible, or we can claim them as impossible, but then declare that God can do anything, that God is a God that works with impossible situations. And we remind ourselves that absolutely nothing is impossible with God. We press beyond the reality of the problem and the truth of the God that we serve. Second Chronicles verses, uh, chapter 32, verses 7 to 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with them. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the army of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah the king of Judah said. Again, an example of the power of the words that are spoken. Hezekiah spoke to his people declaring how, yes, the enemy had a large army. It's, it's true. He had a large army, yes. It seems impossible that they would beat them and win the battle. But he didn't stop there. He then reminded them that they had a much larger, much more strong power on their side. Their enemy, their enemy might have had the numbers, but they had God. It says that the people gain confidence just based on that, just by speaking that God and his power would be with them. And knowing then, they couldn't lose. If God is on your side, you won't lose. It's okay to see your very real situations as dry, dead, and or impossible, but it is not okay to leave them that way. I am here to remind you that you have power to declare bigger truths to your situations. You have the authority to speak life into these dead and dry situations. God has given you exactly what you need. And I'm standing here in front of you living proof that God answers prayers when we declare it. He has taken care of me and has turned so many of my situations around in my life. He has placed people in my life exactly when I needed them to pray over me, to speak to me, even just a phone call. And I know that that was God. He has always taken care of me. We need each other. If you might not have the strength or the faith to declare it, speak to someone. 
Help me to declare these things over my family, over my life. That's why we are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are family. If you are praying and you feel to call someone up and declare some things over their life, do it because you have the authority to do it. Don't question it. Don't worry about it. Send the message. Make the phone call. Go and drop them off a coffee with a little note. You have the authority to do that. We need each other. God sees us. He sees our pain. He sees our struggles. He sees our impossible situations. He sees how lonely you might be feeling or how scared you are. He sees, he sees the tears that you cry over your loved ones or over the people that you so wish knew God. He has heard every worry that you've had over wondering if the bills are going to get paid or if you'll have enough money to feed your family. He knows it all. But we are so blessed because not only do we ha have a God that hears and sees it all, but we have a God who doesn't leave it that way. He has given us the opportunity to bring these to him so that he can do what only he can do. I'll get you all to stand this morning. So, again, I want to challenge you today. Admit that what you're facing is very real, because it is. We can't run away from our issues. We can't run away for, from our problems, nor should we. You can't ignore that bill that is due. You can't ignore that situation. But don't stop there. I want you to then declare with boldness and full of faith that God is God, that he is in control, and that nothing is impossible with him. If you are listening to this and you don't know God yet, and you're wondering what to do or how to start, I would encourage you to reach out to someone at the church. We would love to teach you a Bible study. We would love to help you out. But I also want to mention that the Bible says, first, when you come to him, to start with repentance. And so if you are just starting out, if you haven't repented today, the Bible says to always start with repentance. God, help me. Lord, clear, clean my heart, clean my mind. If there's anything I haven't done, or if there's anything I've done that is not of your word, or if there's anything I haven't done that you want me to do, God, help me with that. So we should always start with repentance. That is a great way to start your journey with God. Ask God for forgiveness and declare that he has forgiven you because he will, his word promises it. And then go on and talk about how good he is and, and declare some things. I might be feeling worried, but God, you are my peace. I might be sick, but God, you are my healer. I might be worried about my bills, but God, you are my provider. There might be so much chaos and sadness and fear around me, but God, you are my strength, my confidence, and my joy. So let's go to God with boldness and confidence this morning because God has given you the authority that you need to do so.